Words hold immense power. Those who wield them with grace and precision are able to persuade others, diffuse conflict, make a lasting impression, and unlock life-changing opportunities. But how do you move from being an average conversationalist to an eloquent force to be reckoned with? Well, why not take some lessons from the most skilled communicators in history? Come along as we study those who have a way with words, from poets and public speakers to authors and philosophers. It's time to level up your communication skills. Welcome to A Better Way to Say. Boring conversations. Boo. Cue the crowd booing audio right now. <laughs> yep, we we don't want to be in boring conversations and we ourselves definitely don't want to be the source of boring conversations. So I'm very glad you're here because this episode is all about how to not be a boring conversationalist. And today our lesson comes courtesy of the self-improvement king, Dale Carnegie. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard of Carnegie's famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was first published in 1936 and is still in print today. In this book, Carnegie shares very practical and timeless advice for successfully interacting with other people. Some of the chapters in this book include one called Do This and You'll Be Welcome Anywhere, A Simple Way to Make a Good First Impression, and An Easy Way to Become a Good Conversationalist. I'll go over lessons from these chapters and more in today's episode And I'll also be weaving in some of my own observations from the many, many conversations I've had with new people. So many events are happening in DC right now, and I'm ever the social butterfly who cannot say no to an event or an outing. So I have lots of experience talking to new people, and I've picked up some lessons on the way and also picked up a lot of observations about what works and what doesn't work in a conversation. So I'm going to share with you 10 things that I've noticed that boring conversationalists do. And then I'll also show you the flip side of what to do instead. So the end goal is you know exactly the don'ts, you know exactly the do's. And if you're ever stuck in a boring conversation, you can at least rest assured that it's not your fault. And isn't that something nice to fall back on? (laughs) All right. Here are reasons your conversations are boring and how to fix it. Let's get into it. Let's begin at the beginning with reason number one, you enter with low energy. The start of a conversation sets the tone for the interaction. So it's really important to be aware of your demeanor and your energy at this point. If you are reserved and monotone at the start of a conversation, the other person is less likely to want to share and open up to you. Take this example from chapter two of how to win friends and influence people. At a dinner party in New York, one of the guests, a woman who had inherited money, was eager to make a pleasing impression on everyone. She had squandered a modest fortune on sables, diamonds, and pearls, but she hadn't done anything whatever about her face. It radiated sourness and selfishness. She didn't realize what everyone knows, namely 
that the expression one wears on one's face is far more important than the clothes one wears on one's back. Okay, so this is just reiterating something that we know but often forget, which is that the way we look and the way we approach a conversation has a dramatic impact on how others perceive us. When I'm at an event where I don't know a lot of people, I'm much more likely to approach someone who's smiling and energetic and vibrant than someone who is looking bored at their phone or overall low energy. So if you notice that people tend to cut your conversation short right at the beginning, or it's just hard to get started, then take note of your initial presence. Now let's get into some ways that you can fix this so you're not entering with low energy. The first is a simple way, but a really effective one, and that is to smile. Yes, a simple hello and a smile makes you approachable. And the thing is, most people want to talk and they want to strike up conversations, but they need an initial welcome or initial nudge to know that the other person will speak with them and wants them to be there. So a smile is a great way to do this. Another way to think about this is to come in at one energy level higher than the rest of the group. So obviously different events and settings call for different levels of energy, but wherever you are, it is possible to level up your energy just a little bit more than the rest of the room. And that gives you an edge. It gives you some sort of magnetism because people notice that elevated level. I noticed this recently when I was at the airport and the whole group around me was kind of bored, a little bit frustrated because our flight got delayed. And this man came up to me and he was smiling and he was like, okay, how many minutes do you think I have? Do you think I can run and make it to the bar and get another drink before we get on this flight? And then some people who were around me started chatting with him and we all started talking to him because he was just a little bit happier than everyone else in that line. And he came across as being more fun because of it. So he was the sole source of fun in that more low energy group of people. You have the ability to be this as well. You don't have to be over the top. You don't have to be extremely loud or boisterous to have good energy in a conversation. Okay, speaking of being fun, reason two that your conversations are boring is that you take things too seriously. Even when you're covering serious topics, it's important to make sure you're not being too rigid because the conversation can become dull and feel very monotonous. This happened to me a few months ago. I was speaking with someone who works as a part of the Secret Service, and I thought this was interesting. So I asked about it and got to hear what that was like. But when I tried to steer the conversation to another topic away from work, he kept bringing the conversation back to his job. And after a while, I got bored of the lack of topic variety. I'm sure you've been in a similar situation where the conversation is on a one-track road and it's not exciting anymore. So what can we do to fix this? Here's my suggestion and also one from Dale Carnegie. You need to imbue your conversation with some fun. One way to do this is to add drama. Who doesn't love a little bit of drama? Okay, maybe some people don't, but you have to realize that there is a time and a place for drama in a conversation. I have a friend who does this really well when telling stories. He leaves little dramatic pauses at tense moments instead of just moving through the facts of the stories. 
one of Carnegie's lessons on how to win people to your way of thinking is to dramatize your ideas. He says, this is a day of dramatization. Merely stating a truth isn't enough. The truth has to be made vivid, interesting, dramatic. So if you want to hold someone's attention, don't be afraid to get a little bit dramatic. It's also helpful to weave in some humor, some light jokes. I have a full episode on how to be funny naturally where we study Mark Twain. So I'll link that in the show notes for you. Now let's get on to the third reason your conversations are boring. This is one of the most common causes of dull conversations that I've run into, and it's when you dominate the conversation. If you listen more than you talk, or if you find yourself directing the conversation back to you at all times, you might be a conversation hog. Carnegie talks about this bad habit as part of the recipe to becoming unlikable. He says, never listen to anyone for long. Talk incessantly about yourself. If you have an idea while the other person is talking, don't wait for him or her to finish. Bust right in and interrupt in the middle of a sentence. Do you know people like that? I do, unfortunately. That is all they are. Bores, intoxicated with their own egos, drunk with a sense of their own importance. So pretty scathing review of that type of conversationalist from Dale Carnegie. And we all know this is an insufferable type of person to be in a conversation with. So don't be this person. Now, dominating a conversation can sometimes happen unintentionally when you don't want there to be an awkward pause. So you just keep speaking to fill those in. But that's probably a sign that you're not asking the right type of questions or that you're not providing a welcoming environment for others to feel like they can speak freely. So how can you fix this? One easy tip is principle number five in the book, and that is to talk in terms of the other person's interests. So if you want someone to speak more, ask about what they like, then explore this even more. I do this often once I learn a little thing about someone and they share what they like. I go into the why, I go into the how long have you been doing it, I go into the tell me more. It's an easy way to get someone to open up and to show that you're interested in them. So explore interests, explore goals, explore common ground, and make the conversation a two-way street again. Now, a great way to do this is by asking questions, and this leads me to reason number four for boring conversations, and that is that you ask bland questions. Here's a really boring type of conversation. It's the one where you can predict exactly what the person is going to ask next and what you're going to say next, and there's no room for spontaneity. This often happens when you ask the cookie cutter questions that everyone else asks. The lack of curiosity and creativity in your questioning often limits the depth and excitement of the conversation. But we can fix this. Of course we can. So how do we do it? To get out of your stock photo type questions, your bland, the boring, you'll need to listen intently to what the other person is saying because that will give you material to ask more specific and detailed questions. I find that the most thought-provoking questions naturally happen in a conversation when I'm tuned into what the other person is sharing about themselves. So in the recent episode on how to get anyone to open up to you, I shared some of my favorite types of questions that encourage connection. 
and I'll link that for you. But a few of the ones off the top of my head, I'll just go through quickly. So one is questions asked about motivations, why people did something, what drove them to do that. Another is questions about desires, so what people want. And then another would be questions about priorities, meaning what matters to people and how they spend their time. These can all help you move out of the bland, boring questions and into more interesting ones. All right, reason number five. This is a sneaky one. You might not even realize that you do it, but you withhold praise. Giving praise or a compliment is a great way to connect with people and to make them feel appreciated. But I've noticed two common mistakes when it comes to praise that are not conducive to great conversation. The first is the mistake of not giving praise at all. Often we think something in our head about the other person, like, oh, he's so knowledgeable about that topic, or she really handled that interaction well, whatever the compliment may be. We think it, but we don't say it. That's a big mistake because it's a missed opportunity to connect and for someone to like you more. Now, the other mistake occurs when you do give a compliment, but you give one that's repetitive or run of the mill, that it's not as impactful as it could be. So that's a mistake. Let's get into how we fix it. Verbalize your praise often. One example that Carnegie shares is from Charles Schwab, and he said, I consider my ability to arouse enthusiasm among my people the greatest asset I possess, and the way to develop the best that is in a person is by appreciation and encouragement. I'm anxious to praise, but loathe to find fault. If I like anything, I'm hearty in my approbation and lavish in my praise. This is key. Lavish with your praise. You always want to be sincere when you do this, so if you can't think of something to say, never fake the compliment. But often the problem is not that you can't think of something sincere to say, it's just that you don't voice it. So remember to actually voice your praise. Give that compliment that gives someone a warm feeling and watch how they open up to you and want to talk even more. On to reason number six, your conversations are boring, and that is that you tell boring stories. Stories are a great conversation tool, but they need to be delivered correctly, otherwise they can actually lead to pretty dull conversations. And a common mistake is the dreaded meandering story. So you start telling a story and it doesn't really have a main message or an end goal. Equally boring is a story that has no twists or drama because then it just turns into a regurgitation of events that have already happened and your listener can guess the ending from a mile away. So how do we fix it? My recommendation is to have some go-to stories that you know interest people and get a good laugh or a good reaction. So it can be an inspiring story, a hilarious story, even a thought-provoking story. The point is it needs to be something that connects with others. So have one to three go-to stories, and if you're unsure about how they would perform, then you can practice them on family and friends and see if they get a good reaction. So just in your natural conversations with family and friends, tell the story, see how people react. Do they laugh? Do they smile? Do they lean in? Are they saying they have a call to take and sorry, they can't stay for the rest of the story? That'll be a pretty good indicator that your story is not the most exciting and you can tweak it until you get the perfect story. Hi there. I'm quickly popping in to remind you that you're more than a listener. 
You can shape the direction of future episodes by heading to betterwaytosay.com and leaving your input there for me. So if you have any episode ideas or things you would love for me to talk about, leave it there. I want to create what you want to hear and I look forward to your ideas. So head on over to betterwaytosay.com and give me your ideas. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. All right. I have two more reasons that your conversations are boring and of course the fixes so that you can rectify it and start having some interesting, fun, amazing, life-changing, show-stopping, groundbreaking, I don't know what else, (laughs) great conversations. So reason number seven, you don't show genuine interest. I want you to picture yourself in a conversation. Are you leaning in and listening? Are you focused on what someone is saying or focused more on what you're going to say next? Do you even care about the topics at hand? I'm asking these questions because the answers translate on your face and in your responses. People can tell whether or not you are interested. In lesson one on the section, six ways to make people like you, Carnegie includes this warning from the famous psychologist, Alfred Adler. He says, It is the individual who is not interested in his fellow men, who has the greatest difficulties in life and provides the greatest injury to others. It is from among such individuals that all human failures spring. Sounds intense, sounds dramatic, but it also rings true. We want to speak to people who are genuinely interested in us, not just in themselves. So how can you make the shifts to make sure you're communicating that to others when you speak? A great way to do this is to encourage others to talk about themselves. And the thing is, people enjoy talking about themselves. They simply need to feel like they're being heard and encouraged to do it. The ideal balance here is to find the common point of things that the person enjoys talking about and things that you are genuinely interested in. That way, your interest is not fabricated when you ask about these things. Carnegie writes in this chapter that you can make more friends in two months by being genuinely interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. So if you take anything at all away from this episode, let it be that. Let it be the idea of focusing more on someone else. Being less inwardly focused in your conversations makes you more interesting and more magnetic because you are turning your light, turning your attention, turning your focus onto someone else and people crave that. Reason number eight for boring conversations is that you don't practice. Like any other skill, the more you spend time working on it, the better you'll become. Carnegie encouraged his students to put every lesson that they learned into practice in their day-to-day lives. And his book is something I come back to often. It's not just a one and done sitting on the shelf thing. So make good conversation part of your regular routine. Strike up a conversation with someone in the elevator or someone in a cafe next to you because little conversations that you think don't matter are actually steps on the path toward growing your communication skills for the ones that truly do matter. With that in mind and all the tips I've just given you, go out into the world and start making great conversation with people you come across. I can't wait to hear how it goes and I will catch you in the next episode of A Better Way to Say.